Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast where we discuss the Ninja Turtle comics one unlucky 13 issue at a time. That is correct, Mr. Flanagan. And we are here and we're going to be up front with you. Uh, so I don't, I'm not sure if this episode's going to sync up with the rest of the season exactly correctly because ep- issue the, the episodes for issue 13 and issue 14 next week, the files got something happened to them. So we're, uh, we're re-recording them like literally it feels like a year later. So <laughs> it really does. I'm not sure if there's anything we said last week where we're like, we'll make sure we look it up for next week or anything like that. It's, it's going to be a little out of order, but we made sure you got your episode on time and that's all that matters because we care about you. So how have you been this week, Sean? I've been good. I, I had to go back and reread a lot of the volume just to make sure I knew what was going on. So. You, should, you shouldn't have. You should have just guessed. <laughs> <laughs> and been like, man, I don't know why all this crazy is happening. I forgot oh. to pull up my comicsology. I'll do that while you're talking. <laughs> yeah, so much nuttiness happens in this issue and this whole run but yeah we're back to image i I thought we had escaped it but we are back and you know it's fine you Um, know what though spoilers for next season i think volume four is just as crazy it's just um a different flavor of crazy it's you know what i mean that peter laird crazy yeah This is in volume two, right? No, this is... So, we'll get this out the way now. Listeners, you can get this on Comixology, and it's the last issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends Volume 1. Oh, okay. There we go. Should have done this before recording. I'm sorry. I'm an amateur. You see how there's no ads on this podcast? (laughs) There's a reason for that. (laughs) It's because I'm an amateur. Um, okay. So this issue was untitled, just like the rest of them. And the cover artist is Frank Fosco, story Gary Carlson, pencils Frank Fosco, inks Mark Hickey, lettering Pat Brousseau, colors Adam Gazowski. It came out in February of 1998. So let's go take a look back at what was going on in February of 1998. This month in entertainment. The movies that were released, we got a good one, The Wedding Singer, probably Adam Sandler's best movie. That was a really good movie. Back when he cared. (laughs) It wasn't just using movies as a way to take a vacation. And then, I didn't know these came out the same month, but The Wedding Singer and You've Got Mail is another movie here, it says. Ooh, I want to watch that now and see how horribly dated that is. Oh yeah, there's no way. It's basically the Pina Colada song with emails. That's the plot of that movie, right? Yeah, but I still want to see, like, how ridiculously 1998 it is. 
And then Dark City also came out that oh, month. Oh, that's the only a other, great movie. It's the only other movie I recognized. Highly recommend the director's cut of that one, but uh The Billboard number one songs February seventh was Together Again by Janet Jackson. February fourteenth and the twenty fourth was Nice and Slow by Usher. And February 28th was My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Which pretty much stayed at number one till about 2002. (laughs) I mean, it's been a while since we've had three songs on the billboard. It's usually like one song dominating the chart. Well, like remember in the 80s, there was a new number one song each week when we started doing this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the 90s people like if they like something, they stuck with it. (laughs) I am going to hear this heart until it goes on. (laughs) Video games. The Nintendo Power cover is NCW versus NWO. Also, Yoshi's Story and James Bond 007 on Game Boy. Which I'm sure was totally the best Game Boy game at the time. I played a little bit of Yoshi's Story recently. It's just as good as I remember it. Like See, it makes me want to get it makes me want to get one of those Nintendo 64 controllers for my Switch. I think we've brought that up before. Like it's weird that that's the one system that it seems like you need the original controller to fully enjoy. They're like 100 bucks now. Like yeah. they only made so many of them. I get I, Nintendo always does that. They make everything into a collector's item oh, by yeah. not making enough of it. Like I'll get like a notification like, oh, it's in stock. And then I'll go and it's already gone within like the two minutes it takes me to go to the site. So it's I'm never like going to get one. They support the scalpers. Maybe they are the scalpers. Conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was never for sale, Sean. That was all an illusion. They sold it to themselves. This is like. There's a movie here somewhere, but instead of Nintendo 64 controllers, it's AK-47s and it's the U.S. government. We're on to something. (laughs) Just don't uh, use your palm if you're going to move that middle stick around. No, but unless you have the special glove. If you have the special glove, you can do it. Oh, okay. Well, if you can find the special glove and the controller, kudos to you. (laughs) I'm going to look up. Well, I'll buy you one. Let me look up what it costs. <laughs> Nintendo 64 glove. Firstborn child. I want to buy it. I don't want to see pictures of it. Yeah, you can't buy it. <laughs> it belongs in a 250 museum. 250 bucks. Oh, wait, this isn't what I'm talking about. This is like a power glove. For 250 <laughs> with, bucks? For Nintendo 64. Yeah, because it's probably like a rare peripheral. I thought they only did that once. I guess not. I th- it's third party. Oh. But it's it's like it's basically like a uh like I said like the power glove which was a super what, what useless even peripheral. Mario Party glove? I don't even know what to search. Mario? Well, I can't buy it for you cuz I can't find it. Well, but I can it's... get you a copy of Mario Party for 60 bucks. That's reasonable. But I can play it online or I can play the new one. I have. That's true. There's no point in that. Anyway. (laughs) 
TV events. Uh, so the month that this comic came out, February 6th, Power Rangers in Space debuts. Yay! It, that's for gotta Jason. be the most half-assed Power Rangers title of all the series. Like, hey, you were supposed to have the idea for that new Power Rangers series in this morning. What do you got? A Power Rangers in space. <laughs> I like it. Have they been to space yet? Yes, they've been to space a bunch of times. But now it's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, February 7th, The Silver Surfer <laughs> premieres on Fox Kids. That I don't remember being a show. I don't ever remember watching the show, but I do remember seeing The Silver Surfer in, like, the promos. You know what I mean? Oh, didn't they do, like, uh... Like he took over the Fox Kids for the weekend or something? Yes. Okay, I remember that. I think he talked to Hank Hill in one of the commercials. That must have been interesting. He was trying to sell him propane and propane accessories. Can you uh, can you hook up that Galactus guy with a really big grill? <laughs> February 8th, Muppets Tonight ends after two seasons and 22 episodes. Aww. I miss Muppets tonight. Did they ever do anything with that host puppet again? I don't remember ever seeing him in anything else. They made a new Muppet just specifically to host that show, and I don't think he ever showed up in anything again. Muppets tonight. That's not the song. Okay. So February 28th. (laughs) I know the song. It's it's time to join the Muppets on the Muppet Show tonight. Do 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 do. That's the Muppet <laughs> That's Show the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, February twenty eighth, Bug Juice premieres. No idea. Yeah, I was never big into Bug Juice. Saturday Night Live, February second, was hosted by John Goodman with musical guest Paula Cole and special guest star Dan Aykroyd. So that means he needed some money that week. The Blues Brothers 2000 movie was being forced on everybody. <laughs> so. I think it's crazy that the Blues Brothers 2000. I couldn't because I didn't watch that until very recently. And when I watched it, and the first thing you see is a black screen that says five years later or whatever it is. I'm like, this guy used the same beginning for both sequels he wrote? Because that's how Ghostbusters 2 starts. He he used the same script page <laughs> for both movies. The only thing I will give that movie is it has great music that's just trapped in a bad, bad movie. It's got a bad Nintendo 64 game. Yes, it does. Did you have that game? I did not, but yeah. Okay. That, that was oof. That was a dark time. <laughs> and then February 14th, Saturday Night Live was hosted by Roma Downey with musical guest Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. And something I thought was funny here, I don't mean any disrespect to Roma Downey, but this is just something that's never happened before. I didn't know who she was, so I looked her up on Wikipedia. And she has had a long career that has not affected my life in the least. (laughs) I vaguely remember her name. 
She was in a ton of TV shows, all shows I never have seen a single episode of. She was in a bunch of movies I've never seen. She produced a bunch of stuff I've never seen. It was just funny because, like, she's clearly very successful, but her career hasn't affected me in any way, shape, or form. It just shows you how, like, everyone always talks about Hollywood being this small little club, but there's more people involved than than you'd think about. Where's Roma Downey's MCU role, huh? And the last SNL episode was February 28th, hosted by Garth Brooks, who also served as the musical guest. Was that when he was doing his weird alter ego thing? Probably. That seems about right, timeline-wise. What was it? I don't remember. remember. It was something like it was more rock than country, but the extent of my... He was the first Hannah Montana. Yeah, he he did that before (laughs) her, and... I feel like Garth Brooks, the only people that listened to that were parents on the PTA. Like, I, I don't know anyone who listens to Garth Brooks. Not even Garth Brooks. But um bum <laughs> So, diving in, uh, I thought this was interesting that the original cover and the reprint cover are kind of the same deal. You've got Shredder Shadow Armor and Shredder Shadow Armor. The difference being the reprint Raph is in front of the Shadow Armor with a match. And I actually think the original cover is much better. It's the Shadow Armor holding, I'm guessing, Raph's bandana covered in blood. And there's smoke everywhere, kind of like when Mysterio shows up. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like a pointy Batman just arrived. So I prefer that cover. And I mean... The covers have been all over the place this run, and to actually like the original cover is great. So we yeah, ca- I agree. catch up with the Turtles in Sheldon, Arkansas, which is, get ready for it, 69 miles from Little Rock. Because, <laughs> you know, image. And, uh... They're tracking down Death Watch. So at this point, Donnie is no more. So the cyborg body is just a hollow shell with no name. And I I like this little thing that it keeps getting irritated that they keep calling it Donnie. Which leads to this discussion about computers don't have names. And they're like, but what about Hal in 2001? Or the Bat Computer? You can name a computer if you want to. You could. Yeah, Hal. There's a good example. And the back computer. I don't know. I like both of those parts. So they're, they're in this town that seems to be abandoned. And on the other end of town is uh, Vanguard and his girlfriend. And they find this cafe. And I, this is a 90s thing. Like this weird jumpsuit she's wearing. Like the purple thing? Yeah, like it. it uh, is it screwball? You know is what that it the kind really of looks like. Thing in Amazing Spider-Man, there was a there was a Batman action figure where when you took the Batman armor uh, off, he kind of yeah. wore something similar to this. Yeah, it was like it's the got like Bruce Wayne figure, and he had like yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. It wasn't. It didn't look like he was. Well, I guess it actually did look like he was vacuum sealed into it. So, so they both got that going on. It's got like, 
like padding, but like I don't know how to describe this like '90s style of padding where it's like it looks like um, jujitsu gear or something, where it's like a gray pad that's a bunch of little bumps. It clearly serves no purpose, but hey. On her shoulder, it looks like she's got those things that like Captain Crunch has. I don't know what they're called. That's his Captain Stripes, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but they have a name. I just don't know what they're called. I don't know what they're called either. Epilapse. Epilepsy. Something like that. Tweet at us. Because I, I don't know. <laughs> So they go in the diner and it's full of dead people and I don't know the horror fan in me loves this panel. Yeah, it definitely looks like it could be in a Walking Dead comic. So it, it Death Watch has taken the life energy out of all the townspeople it appears, which again make he's a great villain. I just hate the way he's utilized. It's just interesting that they go with life energy, but they never bother explaining what life energy is, you know? Like, so these bodies still have everything they need. He just, like, they still have all their blood. They still have, you know, all their organs. Um, he just took the what batteries is the out. That's all. That That's all it is. So... Vanguard and Miss Wells decide they need to let the turtles know, hey, uh, the whole town's dead. So that that, that may, <laughs> Heads up. That might alarm you. So we go so back. So if you were looking for like a full serve gas station or something, you're going to have to pump your own gas because uh, <laughs> the whole town is dead. A lot of people don't know Death Watch is why full service gas stations kind of went extinct. Um <laughs> So back at Foot Headquarters, the, <laughs> this first dialogue bubble that says the score so far, Guns 47, Ninjas 6. <laughs> I, so six, is, we, we're willing to admit you killed six of our guys. but uh. So when initially I read it, I thought it was a narrator that they had never mentioned before. <laughs> Until issue 13. <laughs> I was like, why is this guy saying this out loud? It's just so bizarre. So last time we saw Raph, he was cornered. You get this awesome panel of him jumping out of the shadows, shooting off a bow at the mob guys. And you get some. Yeah. And you can see that he's gotten three arrows off in the time it's taken him to fall. And you get a. Uh, you get some sound effect porn, which I like. Zing, zing. Chuk, chuk. So it's all good stuff. But he didn't shoot the the mobsters. He put arrows into their gun barrels, which is interesting because he's going to kill them anyway. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I liked it, though, because I, I can't think of another instance where any like a comic book character has done that. Like I, I don't even. I haven't know if, read enough Green Arrow or enough Hawkeye to yeah. tell you, but I haven't seen it either. But it, it, I don't know. It's a really cool image. It's, you know, if it's not too late, get this in one of the new Turtle movies coming up. I like it. But Raph just ends up fighting all the mob guys, and I like his. Yeah, it reminds me. There's a there's a meme online where it says it's like a a thick book, and it says like. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 
and then it's like a thin book, and the little book says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, if Raphael had a gun. It's like, <laughs> well, he's got a gun here. <laughs> so Raph jumps in. These guys are like, oh, it's one of them turtle freaks. And I like the, your pal is here, right? You can't kill me. I'm an endangered species, and there's only three more like me in the whole world. Again, I... I I I know Lenny's not a fan of the writing, but I think it's improved in this issue. And yeah, he grabs a Tommy gun and shoots all of them, which is cool and bizarre is, at the same time. That That is a good line, and I feel like they very rarely reference the fact that there's only three of them, or four of them. There's only four turtles, at least so far. When we get to IDW, that's going to change, but... So it's, we, it, it, it's something they very rarely bring up. We go back to the town and uh, Leo, Mikey, and Robot, because we haven't given him a name, have found a house that pretty much looks like the Adams Family or the Munsters' house to me. I feel like I've seen whatever the artist used as a reference photo for this house. You've seen it, right? Like this it. It's yeah, it's a very familiar looking house. I just can't quite place it. Like it, it it's the you know, the classic haunted house that you would see like the Simpsons go to or something. It, yeah, it reminds me of that, the Adams family, the Munsters, and Norman Bates house in Psycho. I don't know if it's just elements from all of those or what, but I really like it. And the thing they do in the first they must panel, have used they must have all used the same uh, construction company to do their additions. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> That's yeah, why all, they all look the same. Creepy construction. What do you want? Yeah, we can do that. We've done that for a couple people. Uh, Listen, I, you're going to want to wait to the next thunderstorm because you want to know what this thing's going to look like with lightning behind it. All right. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. <laughs> If they had one of those like uh, home improvement shows, that would be how every one of them would end. Is they'd bring yeah. the family out to the house during a thunderstorm? We install lightning rods in all the backyards so Don't that worry. you can get that perfect lightning image. It's safe. It just looks ominous. So one of the things I've enjoyed about this run, and honestly, listeners, let us know because I don't know what anybody listening's thoughts are on this. But I love that these are in color now because the first panel of them in front of the house, I don't know why, but visually I just love it that the turtles are almost just shadow. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, it's interesting the stuff they choose not to make shadow. Like I, I feel like they could have gone a little more into it. Like you don't need to see Michelangelo's chest here. They could have made him all shadow yeah, and then just had like the little bit of Leonardo's back lit up. And then I like that they didn't do it with the robot, so he kind of sticks out. So the robot decides he's just going in. He's not waiting for anybody. And it's one of the few times I've ever, at least at this point in the run, we've ever seen Mikey having to hold Leo back. So that's a great moment. How has there not been a RoboCop reference for Cyborg Donatello yet? I don't think there ever is one, which is weird, because RoboCop fits perfectly into it. Yeah. So this is, uh, turns out, is Mrs. Rayburn's house, who's Johnny Lee's mom. 
So she's an invalid. Johnny Lee, just to remind everyone, because I feel like this story's oh, hard to yeah, follow. Yeah, he's Death Watch. Um, <laughs> just to remind everyone, so there was a serial killer who was sent into outer space as like part of like an experimental prisoner uh, program. And while he was in outer space, the serial killer got taken over by like this alien. He got brainiac <laughs> Like a brainiac thing took him over. And now, so this brainiac is back on Earth. And he's killing all the people that testified against the serial killer, I think is the story. Yeah, that, that, that's And it. so anyway, this is that guy's mom. So as the cyborg, not Donnie, approaches, the old woman falls to the floor. And it turns out Death Watch was using her like a puppet, which is really creepy and unsettling. But I like, he's a great villain. I, I wish they did more with him and we weren't running around so much. So, but unfortunately, he tried to surprise the one half robot, half turtle that can turn his hand into a buzzsaw. Yep. So those two go at it, and uh, he learns that Donatello's not in there. So he's a little disappointed. He's just fighting a machine. And then we go back. Meanwhile, to the Foot Clan, and the first panel is. Uh, it's Raph running a guy through <laughs> with his sigh, which, yes, is very cool and must be very painful for the amount of force you would need to do that. But that's stabby, stabby. Not I'm kind of surprised they for. didn't, because they, you know these guys love Frank Miller. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised they didn't go for the Frank Miller Electra classic, like the, the thing where like the shirt is sticking up in the back. Yeah. Like the, the sigh stabbed right through the coat. They could have they could have done that silhouette. So maybe it was overdone. He starts running from the mob guys, starts shooting at him with one of his one of their handguns. He backs himself up against the wall. It turns out to be a trap door, and he falls through it. I you know I've leaned a I've leaned up a lot. The never mind. <laughs> I've leaned up a lot. I can't say this. I've leaned up against a lot of walls. We did it. Yay. Um, And this has never once happened to me. I don't feel like a the, secret panel in a wall would be that easy. to. But in the end, he's a giant turtle. I don't know. But maybe. that's how they always open these things. It's usually in like a Laurel and Hardy or like a Three Stooges short or something. <laughs> but that's how they always seem to open. Scooby-Doo cartoon. Of course, it immediately shuts. So, fortunately, Raph had some matches, and he discovers, dun-dun-dun, the Shredder. Or does he? So he freaks out and kicks Shredder, and it, it turns out it's just the armor. And then he- The armor's can, scary enough. He, he, the Foot uh, Clan should just keep, keep that as their boss. hey hey man who's doing his voice this week i think it's ted's turn so he turns on the lights and he's found this giant secret room and there's multiple shredder armors and i apparently shredder is a fan of batman because that's exactly what this looks like is when you see all the different bat suits so the thing i thought was cool is it looks like one of them's the 2003 shredder from the cartoon one's the 1990 movie 
One of them looks like a variation on Secret of the Ooze Shredder. And then... One of them is definitely the Power Rangers in space Shredder. Yeah, he he looks like Lord Zed, but with Shredder armor. (laughs) So Raph does all this inner monologue about how they killed the Shredder, and it's just weird stumbling upon all this stuff. And then we cut back to uh, Death Watch getting thrown through a wall, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. I love how Death Watch is basically, what if Dr. Octopus had his arms coming out of his face? Eh? (laughs) Eh? Because, like, it's crazy that he's throwing Donatello around and everything, and, like, these things are coming out of his face. It just, it's crazy. Doesn't seem like it should be able to lift him. I'm just saying. So Vanguard shows up now and kind of attacks Death Watch from behind. And very quickly it's discovered that this is not him. It's actually Lurch in disguise. Just in case. How about a taste of someone from your own comic? Yeah! (laughs) And then he, you know, actually shows up with the turtles. And he has the kill-a-ma-jig gun, I guess, because he just shoots <laughs> shoots him with that, and that's it. The neural disruptor takes care of that mess, and I'm like, really? That that seems like such an easy solution to this whole thing. Well, at Image Comics, gun equals problem solved. And it leaves a hole the size of a grapefruit. <laughs> or a sheep's head. So the back at the foot headquarters, the mob people are trying to figure out where Raph went, and he comes flying out of the secret room, donning the shredder armor. And uh, this is one of the more painful panels I think we've seen, where he's kicking the guy in the face and his teeth are flying everywhere. I'm trying to find it. Where is the teeth guy? I see. Oh, there it is. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's crazy. I was I when I look at this page, I'm focused on the panel below it where he's like crouched over cuz that's kind of a gorgeous panel too. So, yeah, he he's He looks not- like a classic superhero when they come in and they're in that like kneel down position where the cape is completely over them. Like Superman does that a lot, I feel like. So, the mob guys are confused cuz they know the shredder is dead. And uh, Raph turns around and starts cutting people up, and you end the issue with a big panel of him just yelling too bad with blood dripping off the gauntlets. And again, it's an awesome image, but it's really weird, too. We should explain why he's saying too bad is the guy he's beating up says, I'm unarmed. I'm unarmed. Too bad. I'm Batman. And that's where we end no, it. No, we said that the, the woman in the bar was Batman. Oh, okay. She has the same outfit. So that that's where we end it. And the only thing that bothers me with him wearing the armor is how well it fits. <laughs> I would have never thought of that. Because the, with the way the Shredder armor fits on Raph... 
it's almost like there was some bizarre alternate plan where Shredder was going to maybe try and turn one of them to his side. So, well, also like that face plate thing feels like it should be rubbing against his, you know, still damaged face. He's, he's still got his Harvey Dent Two-Face look going on, and that can't be comfortable. No, it's got to itch, if nothing else. So, I uh, <laughs> I know the ratings have been all over the place. I gave this a 4.8. I really like this issue a lot. Yeah, it's definitely the beginning to the uh, the beginning to an, an upswing in the storytelling here. I I feel like we got a little bit lost on a detour for a while, even though Death Death Watch was a cool character. He he was a sidestep to. We still haven't gotten to to Splinter yet, so I agree. We're we're, we're working our way upwards. I'd, I'd give it a 4.6. I don't think it's that close to a perfect five, but definitely a good issue. I think all the horror stuff puts it up over the top for me, but yeah, De- Death Watch is that part in the Naked Gun where Frank Drebin's talking and goes, and where the hell was I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as far, far as the title, um, I went with Raph Gets Shredded. That's a good one. <laughs> Ref gets shredded. But you're going to say said, it like that. So. I said I think you need to go cheesy on this one. And if this was like an issue, like I feel like this is what they would actually title the issue instead of me trying to be clever. Yeah. And if this was like actually an issue uh, that got a title, they would have went with, I think, Return of the Shredder. Because if you put that on page two. Now you're like, ooh, I want to read this. Shredder's <laughs> in this. He's perfect for image. <laughs> so Return of the Shredder. It's just not him. This it's subtitle. It's just not him this time. <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Shredder. Kinda. <laughs> Whoops. Our bad. Yeah, I, I again like for for all the horror stuff, that's what pushes it for me. It's just it's still frustrating that I feel like Lord Komodo is a really good villain and we've gotten so far from that now where this murderous well, I feel cyborg like the whole brainiac. image runs so far they've been, they've at any given point have been trying to do three things at once yeah and it's like if they just did a focus story where it was all about what Lord Komodo was up to and then the next story was all about Death Watch. Yeah. And then the next story, you know what I mean? Well, in between there, you would do the one where they find Splinter. I was going to say, that that's kind of the one that's hanging right now. And I, I, it's just weird to me that, like, occasionally one of them will be like, oh, yeah, Splinter, that's what we're doing. But that's all you really get. Like, you don't even get, like, a panel. I feel like they could just put a panel yeah. in of, here, this is where Splinter is or what he's up to. Yeah, there is zero sense of urgency for four bro- from four brothers. Like, not one of them has any urgency about their father being turned into a bat. And I know what you're thinking. Well, he was already a mutant rat in the first place. But I think still you'd be a little concerned. 
Yeah, and I feel like that is something consistent with Mirage, though. That's another thing I feel like doesn't really click until IDW, the the family thing. I'd say you're right. There, there are some stories that get it and some that don't. Mirage was so inconsistent. You know, now that we're almost on the other side of it. I mean, it's going to come back next season, but it's not very consistent. It really is like really focused on those beginning few years before the guest era. And then you've you've got a random return to New York story smack dab in the middle, and then it's guest era again for a while, and then you've got City at War. And then Volume 2, which we, God, it doesn't even seem like that's the same season anymore, but we we talked about it at the beginning of the season. Nothing happens in Volume 2. They they have three stories stretched out across, what was it, 12 issues? Yeah, and I mean, really, the Baxter Bot one was the best part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it again, that's part of what I like about doing this show is just seeing how I, all over the place the turtle history is. Yeah, and I think I remember us saying last season that they never seemed to know what to do with Splinter, you know? And I think that's what hurts the family dynamic from ever showing up is it, it took them a while to figure out because he does nothing after like issue 11. You know, now that I'm thinking of it before we, we close it out, that's like the one thing other adaptations up to that point were nailing was the family aspect. Cause the nineties movies did it. Well, the 87 cartoon, the 2003 cartoon, like it's funny to me that the video the, games, the original <laughs> like the video games are more about, cause even the original NES game, yeah. uh, focuses on splinter and and how he loves the turtles and then like he gets kidnapped in the arcade game (laughs) it's just funny to me that the source material is where it hasn't like come around yet like i'm almost thankful the last ronin was something that came out of idw because i think that would have been a mess in these other volumes yeah, it's like you get the the idea guys, you know, you get you get Kevin and Peter's original outline and original ideas, but then you you don't, you know, the best stories, I you can't even say that the best stories are I'm floundering here. Uh it was good to have the IDW input, just like you said. Like it's it's good that it came from the original people but with some guidance. I guess that's the thing going into our next season is It's going to be interesting because it's not, I think with image turtles right now is it's just not clear who is like the guiding force at the top of the chain. So when we get to volume four and it goes back to Laird, at least I feel like we'll have a consistency again across the book. Yeah. And it's consistently crazy. So I think that is all the thoughts we have this week. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you will see us posting all kinds of turtle stuff. So we are at TMNT Nerds there. If you have anything you want to say about the show, we've got an email address, tmntnerds at gmail.com. So 
send us an email. We might read it on the podcast if it's got anything to do with stuff we're talking about. And uh, what else we got? We got an Instagram at TMNT Nerds. I ignore that. I need to update that more often. And, and that you know, is the ball game. Rate and review. That helps. <laughs> that too, yes. And subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss us. All right, so we'll see you next week for issue 14, Untitled. <laughs>